You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. Welcome to the first official edition of the Over a Drink podcast, the first episode. I guess we could call it an edition, but the first one. And this is, it's a surreal moment because I've been working a long time on this podcast and here we are, we are, we're doing it. And so today, uh, today's going to be a little bit different than the normal podcast because normally I will be the one hosting. You'll always hear me doing this at the front, but I, I so strongly believe that there's power and vulnerability, but it's also like, it's not something that's easy. It's not something that's easy to do. It's hard. It's scary. It's intimidating. And so if I'm asking these men to come on to my podcast and to bear their souls and to talk about things that they maybe have never talked about before, then I can't ask someone to go somewhere where I already haven't gone. And so I'm going to go first. I'm going to share my testimony this morning. I'm going to um, I'm going to drink some coffee with my special guest. There is still a guest. It's not going to be a, a single podcast. Uh, I We went for a walk this morning, my wife and I, and we went and got Starbucks. Uh, coffee friends, don't shame me. Uh, so I'm drinking Starbucks, and I might have given it away, but uh, my wife Jess uh, is here, and she is also drinking Starbucks, but a smaller version than <laughs> me because she is pregnant, and the doctor says one cup of caffeine a day. So, Hey-o. hi, Jess. Hi. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's for those who don't know you personally? Uh, how how would you say? How would you introduce yourself to somebody besides Hi, I'm Jess. <laughs> I mean, that would probably be about how I would introduce myself. Um, I am married to Mitch, and we've been married for two years. And like he said, we have a little bun in the oven right now cooking. She's coming in three more months, which is crazy. Um, I would call myself a... Movie fanatic. What's your favorite movie? Oh gosh. Okay. It's it's silly, but also very relevant because we can't forget a huge other part of our life. <laughs> our sweet dog Hogarth Hughes. And if you are familiar with the name, it is from the movie Iron Giant. It is the main character. His name is Hogarth. I'd like to make note that I refuse to call him Hogarth. <laughs> Therefore, he goes by Hoagie. His name is Hoagie, and he's the best little French bulldog there ever was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nothing nothing too crazy. I guess I sing for a living, lead worship. At I our, taught her everything she knows. At our church. Um, it's the best job I've ever had. I, uh, I just love life with my husband. Hmm. Anything that we do together is is the best thing. So. This is fun getting to do this. And so the reason 
The reason why I asked Jess to do this this inaugural message with me, um, this first message, is uh, because although I'll be the face of what you hear and see the most through this podcast, she from y'all y'all don't understand, uh, and we'll get into it later in my testimony, but for the last two years, she sat with me through the crazy, uh, through the dreams, through, I have, <laughs> I have 40,000 words of a book that I want to write done. I draw and I, I, I'm trying to teach myself to code so that I can build a website. And <laughs> all these times I'm coming home from these coffee shop, like dream sessions where the Laura's just like, this would be fun to do. I'm like, yeah, it would be fun to do. Let's do it. And then I go home and I, I talk to Jess and she's just like, yeah, that would be really cool. That would be really cool. That would be, you can do that. That's awesome. And I'm, I, then the next day I'm like, yeah, that dream was just out there. That was crazy. That I don't know. I don't think that that's realistic. And she's like, no, that's really cool. I think, and so like she has from the beginning supported me in this. She's prayed for this podcast. She's, one morning she woke up and she's like, we should start fasting for your podcast, for the men that are going to be listening to your podcast. And that was a year ago. Um, I guess the podcast wasn't started a year ago. She wanted to fast for the book and for the for the for the men that are going to read my book one day um, if I ever get it done. But <laughs> your passion project, my is passion, we had, it's all we encompassing. We had wrapped it up in a bow. Yeah, because there's so many entities. They all, including, <laughs> including <laughs> this. One day we want to run conferences for men, but we need money for that. And so uh, this is the first thing that we did and. Uh, I also, I just, I can't, I would be remiss to e exclude the most important part of my life in something that I'm so passionate about. Like, um, first and foremost, she comes first to me. And so why wouldn't she be on this first thing? That just, that just logically, it makes sense. And so, um, the other part is that I can sit and tell you that this pays dividends. What we're doing pays dividends. Being vulnerable pays dividends until I'm blue in the face, but to have somebody who's actually experienced the fruit of it firsthand to be able to come on, I think it's kind of like a, a, it is a proof. It is uh, what I'm saying and what we are believing for. When I say it changes marriages, it's changed mine. Uh, when I say that it changes friendships, Jess can attest to how it changes friendships. Uh, and so truly I'm, I'm excited about all of the men that are going to come on here cause they're powerful. But like the woman sitting across from me at this table wields such a heavy sword, uh, and she is a warrior just the same. And so I'm just honored to have her here. I'm honored to be here, babe. Thank <laughs> you. So, okay. Let's jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, so Mitch kind of laid out that he wants to go first as, as far as sharing his testimony. So babe, why don't you start from where you, be, you believe that your story begins? Yeah. I'll, I'll fly over the first Seventeen June 22nd, years of my life. June second, nineteen ninety-five. Don't steal my identity. Don't put my social out there, Jay. We'll just keep it at my birthday. Uh, but if you do want to get me a birthday present, I do enjoy 
uh, Lego kits. It's yeah, three in one. Three in one, preferably. Pack. Yeah. Pr June 2nd. Version. What is yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know, but I have too many of them at this point. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but so I, I grew up in a Christian household, uh, was raised to know Jesus, but from the start, and this is no fault of my parents, uh, it was truly just the environment that I grew up in was sports came first. Uh, mm -hmm. I missed youth on Wednesdays to go to basketball practice because basketball practice went until past youth group started at six. There's no chance I was home at six. I had baseball tournaments or swim meets on the weekends and, um, I wasn't going to miss them for church. And I think today, even that would be hard, uh, to do like to, to see my kid be like, I'm, I'm really good at this and I love it. And I signed up and committed to a team, but I can't go because Sunday was the championship days generally <laughs> for baseball tournaments. It was like Friday was pool play, Saturday was pool slash tournament, like bracket play, and then the championship games were Sunday. I wasn't going to like, you know what I mean? That makes so. Um, Side note, I did not grow up playing sports. <laughs> I played one season of soccer, got hit in the back of the head with the ball. And now I wear glasses. Which so, I still debate whether that's actually how it happened. It but. is true. It's a fact. Anyway, so as he's talking about all this, I he just kind of has to explain, I have to explain all of it. the terminology to she me. She gets mad at me, but there's some truth to it. Because when I introduce her to friends, sometimes to friends, mind you, I'll be like, I could hold a football and a basketball in front of my wife. And she would be like... She's rolling her eyes. Rolling she, my eyes. She so would hard. be like, what's the difference? Because in her mind, there is no difference. It's all just a sport. And so, uh, so it's true though. But, uh, so I, I, I think what start, started my, I got baptized when I was 18, but it took a little bit of uh, the Lord maneuvering to get there. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's funny because Jess and I actually last night were sitting at home or at my parents' home. Uh, and my dad, for some reason, brought out the bin of all of my recruiting. And I haven't even looked at that in years, purposefully, <laughs> because <laughs> it's just, it opens up wounds that I'm like, I want to put those in a box and not talk about them. Uh, because there's a part of my life that, it, and even like now, it's like my heart starts racing when I start talking about it because... I don't like to because I don't it even like builds up this insecurity that I have of you see me now and like what happened from there to today like what was what was the in-between space that got you to where you are because what the heck uh, mm -hmm. is how I see it so, so I was going through these literally well this was just the scrapbook but I had pictures of and they're in the, the storage of uh, boxes like literal uh home depot storage boxes full of letters from colleges across the country i remember coming home and i had we had the little mailbox out front with like our own individual mailbox and it literally couldn't close one day because i had orange from florida letters and uh michigan and oklahoma cal arizona state like literally like I just remember coming home as a 16-year-old kid and being like, holy crap, 
<laughs> I was, uh, I was in high school. I was, and this this will all be relevant. I promise. I'm not just tooting my horn just to toot my <laughs> horn, but like. I was the number seven tight end in the country. I was the number one player in this. Actually, no, Chris Fox was number one. I was the number two player in the state. Uh, Chris was really good at football. He went to Michigan. O h i o. My my best friends would say up in Fort Collins right now. Shout out to Alex and Austin. Uh, but I. I was an All American. I actually was reminded last night that. I was named the MVP of that All American game.、Uh, I scored in the in the All American game. I I had offers from schools all over the country,、uh, and today there's nothing to show for that. Is what I keep like is the whisper that I hear in my head because I、um, I had made and it's funny. So this is step one to me giving reason why I told you all that. So. In my life at that time, it was football one, it was friends two, and then it was the girl that I was dating three, and then it was God on that list and in that order. And I remember so clearly it was like it was the I think the day or two maybe it might have been the day before signing day.、Uh, I got a call. From the coach at Vanderbilt, the school that I was committed to,、uh, and they told me that, hey, the number one JUCO guy, if for t- for your tight end position, is going to commit to us. He's going to do this big thing, and he's going to announce us on ESPN, and it's going to be us. And I'm like, oh, cool, that's awesome. Like, that's I'm a, I'm going to be a freshman. I'm not going to play right away, anyways. He's JUCO. He's been playing college football for two years. That's sweet. And like, well, he's gonna actually take your scholarship, and we're gonna do what's called gray shirt you, which means that I won't go to school until December, and I won't be there for fall camp. I won't be there for my freshman season. And the first thought in my head is, what? <laughs> like, what the heck?、Uh, yeah. I and prideful, well, not privately, but realistically, I was like, you waited a day before. Uh, to tell me this when I had all of these other schools that were petitioning me to come to your school, and now I'm locked in because they've already filled those spots, and so、mm-hmm. you kind of backed me into a corner where I don't get to go anywhere else. And I, what the heck? <laughs>、um, and so that was like the initial kind of kick in the nuts of,、yeah. uh, well, and and it should have, it honestly should have, if. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It really was just the beginning of my distaste for college football,、um, because it only went downhill from there. I so that would have been February.、Uh, so I lived in this like, okay, well, I'm not. But they kept like kind of telling me, hey, we're working on freeing up other scholarships. We're working on like there was this hope of like maybe they'll get a scholarship for me. Maybe they'll get a scholarship for me. And.、Um, Come June, when all of my teammates and all my buddies that I had made reported to to campus, literally, I think it might have been the first night or the second night, the kid that was who replaced me essentially、uh, got in trouble with the law for doing something in a bar that he shouldn't have done and doing something with.、Um, 
he was arrested for being, he is in jail now. <laughs> so um, all that to say, um, this guy who took my spot came on and squandered that in like a minute. But because there was a court proceeding that lasted all summer and actually into the fall, and I think it actually just wrapped up like a couple, like a not just, it wrapped up like a year and a half later. Um, my scholarship was tied up. So the whole time they were like, oh, well, maybe we'll get you here for, for, for fall camp. Or maybe we'll get you here for um, right before the season starts. And so I'm holding this hope. And finally it came in in July that like, hey, uh, you're not coming until December. So God took football from me. Uh, for the, he kind of, kind of crossed it off the list of the things that were above him. Uh, hmm. And then come July, all my friends who were going to school started moving away. Um, all my best friends moved away. And so he, he crossed that off of the list, the things above him. And then uh, that there was a Wiz Khalifa concert. And I remember it um, because this was like such a... <laughs> Again, uh, kicking the nuts, but like my best friend at the time went to this Wiz Khalifa concert with the girl that I was dating. Like, I all went in a group and they ended up doing some stuff that they should not have been doing A when they were before 21, but also other stuff that was just illegal, which was disappointing in itself. But then even to find out afterwards that they had like slept together. Uh, and so. In a matter of two weeks, football got checked off, friends got checked off, best friend got checked off, girlfriend got checked off. And it was like, I didn't leave my room for a while. Mm. <laughs> I didn't leave my room for a while. And I just, I literally, I didn't know what to do. And I just read my Bible. I remember just picking up my Bible and reading. And that was so abnormal, but I had literally nothing else that I could do. There was no one to go hang out with. I was doing my training to stay in shape. Uh, I had a a uh, trainer that I worked with, uh, Lauren Lando. And uh, then I came home and just read my Bible. And I just was remember reminding, I just felt so heavily in that moment that it was like, all of this other stuff can be taken away so quickly. And look how much I proved that in an instant. Like, but I'm still standing here, hmm. like with you. And so I got baptized. Um, I, it was in my community pool. <laughs> by my youth pastor who, like, shaped the, the, the man that I am today. Or I should say, the man that I was then. Uh, and, or the boy. I was 18. I was, I was 17. <laughs> Gosh, I was 17 because I graduated. You thought you were a man. Oh, I was <laughs> the man. Uh, and I... Yeah, and so I got baptized. I, I lived, I went to, to Vanderbilt in December. I uh, Another fun thing about how much I, I'm going to start a secondary podcast about how much college sports suck. Uh, and it'll be very different in part posture. This is going to be all positive on this one. The other one is just going to be, um, but, <laughs> but I show up to Vanderbilt. My mom's birthday is January 5th. She doesn't like flowers. Don't send her flowers. We, um, but for her birthday, you can get her. I'm just plugging people here. Trying I to know. Get people's, I don't know. What about we, my birthday? 
December 22nd. Just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> uh, but mom's birthday, I come out on her birthday uh, to start class, I believe started, dates are, I'm good at, I'm not good at, these are just like ingrained. Class, I believe, started the 13th. Um, so I got out a week early. And I remember I could not get a hold of anybody on that staff that was there. They were supposed to have like welcomed me in and I was supposed to be moved in and um, hmm. I could not get a hold of them. I couldn't get keys to my dorm. Uh, so finally after, I literally showed up to the football offices and um, no one was there uh, except for the football ops guy. And he was like beside himself that he couldn't, that I was having to reach out to him. And he walked me to my, or go car, uh, golf carted me over to my dorm, uh, got me in, I met my roommate. No one had heard from Coach Franklin since the bowl game. Uh, mind you, this whole time I'm being assured like, hey, we're, we're here. Like he sat at my kitchen table with my parents and uh, swore up and down how committed he was to this program, how much he, he convinced my mom, because I was going to Nashville, so my mom was like, I live in Denver. So she was entrusting him to me, or me to him, and mm-hmm. uh, he's, and now we can't get a hold of him. And then there's an emergency team meeting scheduled. My parents leave, because work uh, and life, and so, the first team meeting is me being told by Coach Franklin that he's leaving, <laughs> and we don't, and that he's going to go to Penn State. And I'm like, oh, cool, <laughs> that's cool. This is fun. It's like strike eight. Yeah, call it. Let's strike. Yeah, strike eight of the next twenty to come. And <laughs> yeah. uh, and so we get Coach Mason, and Coach Mason was amazing. Uh, that man, he did more for me in six months, seven months than I. Honestly, I, I owe him a whole lot uh, because we fast forward, uh, season was, I mean, I redshirted, uh, but I had picked up this um, habit of being, how do I laugh, controlling over things. Um, but I was... And it was reinforced in this way that I remember so clearly I was walking home. Um, I like to do, I'm, I like to do art. Um, and I was in ceramics at Vanderbilt and they had this cool studio that I would have a fob to and at any time I could go in and throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was walking home from football and I was going to go home to my dorm, but I called my parents on the way. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're heading off to work. And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Uh, and um, come to find out that my parents had, um, they'd lost their home. My mom, for the last few weeks, had been going through uh, a whole bunch of tests about Things with her thyroid, things with her, I think, I believe it was kidney, not more lib. There was something in her middle area um, that they were doing tests on, and she was, um, I didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on. Um, And they were going to work because my parents were going back and cleaning the school that my mom had taught at. 
And I remember, like, in that moment, I was like, I'm coming home. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm coming home. Um, I went in, I, I went and sat at night and did not, I just threw pottery for the whole night. The next morning I walked into Coach Mason's office and said, I remember sitting, I can, I can picture it like vividly, him sitting across his big table and um, I was like, Coach, I need you to hear me like I love it here. I love my teammates. I'm thankful for you, but I'm going home. And if that means I don't get to play football anymore, then, then I'm not playing football anymore. Um, but he, he looked at me, he's like, I'll make some calls. And so I actually, I had a, I had a full, so I was on full scholarship at Vanderbilt and I had full scholarship offers from CU and CSU to go home. Um, I could choose where I wanted to go. And at the time, CU was, uh, they were running a spread offense and I played tight end in a spread offense is like, for those of you who don't know spread offense, they don't really use tight ends. And, um, coach Mack, uh, Mack and yeah, coach Mack at CSU ran a pro style. The tight end picture looked better there. All my best friends lived in a house there. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to CSU. Um, but that started a spiral because I was that was in the middle of the fall. It was like the first couple of weeks. It was actually like halfway through, maybe first couple of weeks of the season. Um, and so I still had to finish out. I had to finish, but I had lost this control. Well, the thing is, I had lost control of everything. I went to Vanderbilt, and growing up, I was. School was easy. I've gotten, I think, one a B or a, <laughs> I got a I got a I was in AP calculus as a sophomore, and I got a, a C, and I got a C in accounting at Vanderbilt. So, um, but school was easy, and all of a sudden it wasn't. Um, I was no longer the most athletic. I was no longer the best football player. I was no longer in control of those things. I did not know what was going on at home, and but I could control the food that I ate. Um, because there's this, and if you've played, or I think you don't even have to play to know this, but um, there is a perceived correct weight for every position that you play. And it's you're either too light or you're too heavy. There's never a right. And so my idols growing up were Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez, and uh, those guys were 6'4", 250, and they're the best tight ends in the world, um, literally. And so I wanted to be that. And I was told, I mean, growing up, I was I played receiver a lot in high school. Um, I, w I saw something yesterday. I was In my senior year, I was selected as receiver of the year in Colorado. Um, and that was 225. And then I had these bigger schools coming in, and they're like, you're going to be blocking full-grown men who are 260 pounds, and you weigh 225. If you want to be an end-of-the-line tight end, we need you to put some weight on. And so I got up to 250, 
and real quick. And my body was like, my brain was like, hey, what are you doing? My eyes didn't like what it saw. Uh, my, I moved slower. Uh, I wasn't, I, I mean, I used to be in dunk contests in high school and like doing 360s and off the backboards. And like, I think my vertical was like 32 inches. And I couldn't jump anymore. <laughs> uh, and I remember I passed out at practice one day because I hadn't eaten in two days. Um, I would eat during the summer. I would eat, um, like, or I guess, and maybe looking back at it, like this wasn't the trigger for it. Cause this was before, um, uh, my mom and dad called me, but like in, th in the summer I would eat a protein shake for breakfast, hundred calories, no carbs, no sugar. I would go work at the rec center to do a kid's camp, and then I'd have my summer lifting and running in the uh, afternoons. And I would do all of that in with 100 calories. I wouldn't eat lunch. Uh, I would, there was no chance you could make me drink the protein shake after after the, the run because do you know how many calories that was? <laughs> uh, so I am not eating. I'm trying to be a... A division one athlete and you, you're just coming across this podcast and you haven't you don't know who Mitch is you haven't seen a picture of him he is 6'4 250 pounds like big dude no one I think that was part of it is like just this masking of masculinity no one would have guessed that he was struggling with it with an eating disorder and I think I was really good at hiding it because people were like, but I went out to Chili's with you last night and you ate. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but you didn't see what I did the next three days. Yeah, it was all within your control. Yeah. Um, and we're getting deeper into this than I wanted. So, And then I'm looking at the time. I'm like, holy cow. So um, I was sitting in the uh, the McGugan dining hall, the athlete dining hall, and uh, my friend was sitting across from me. And she looked at me and she said, so how long have you had an eating disorder? And I looked at her and she goes, because I was hospitalized for a year with one and your habits are my habits. And because I, if I ate, it was grilled chicken and broccoli and a cup of spinach. And that was my dinner. Uh, and I, from, she goes, so you need to either talk to someone about it or I'm going to talk to somebody about it. And so I went and talked to my strength coaches and, uh, they had to watch me eat. Uh, they uh, they didn't they did me a favor and they covered the scale when I weighed in every day. We had to weigh in twice a day, uh, and they covered the scale so I didn't see it. Um, which to to this day I have I don't I couldn't tell you two fifty is a good estimate because I haven't weighed myself since my last doctor's appointment six months ago. Uh, but that was the beginning uh, of what today is something that I literally, I blame and I'm working on not. Again, this is something that's like an ever going process of like, you took football from me. Because then I went to CSU, I came home and deja vu, uh, I was supposed to play for Coach McIntyre uh, or McElwain, I forget, McElwain, McIntyre was CSU or CU, McElwain. Uh, and I actually never even, 
saw him in person. He just went to Florida. <laughs> he left for Florida and Coach Bobo was brought in. And I was there. So I actually, I was able to, through the NCAA, I did a whole medical hardship. for. Um, we had to prove that my mom was actually going through stuff and I wasn't making stuff up. And so they needed medical records and like medic letters from my parents' doctor. It was really, it was a lot. Uh, and But I was able to not sit out. So I, I went to CSU. Um, and I played two seasons there. Um, I graduated college in three years. I'm a nerd. I took 21 credits every semester, but I was killing myself through my eating. I wasn't eating. Uh, I was, I take that back. I was eating and then I was not eating for days at a time. Um, and or eating in front of people, just the bare minimum, so that they wouldn't know that I was not eating. Um, I don't think my roommates would be able to. Maybe, I think. Now, I think. I think there was one of my buddies who we shared similar eating habits. Um, but I, I walked. I remember there were some things that happened with that coaching staff. Some words that were said to me. Uh, some actions that were perpetuating to my eating that I realized that, I mean, I had friends ask me how I didn't fight some of the coaches. Uh, and I, I walked in and said, Hey, I'm done. I can graduate. Um, I'm a, I was a red shirt sophomore. Um, I scored in the spring game. I was, I think two on the depth, um, going into fall camp and the one above me was a senior, so potentially I could have been my venture junior, senior, two-year starter, and I chose to quit football uh, because I literally would have, I think I would have, it was killing me. Um, I wanted to die. <laughs> I literally, the, the stuff going in between my ears was pervasive in a fact that I couldn't even avoid dreams about food. I couldn't, uh, every waking thought was food. How I ate, what I ate, how, what the calories were, what the macros were, uh, what exercise had I done to eat off or to work off what I had eaten, uh, how much I, I, I literally, if I weighed 251, I was so slow that day in my head, the slowest I'd ever ran. Um, and it it was killing me. It was so toxic. It was like I felt like decay on the inside. And I thought that just taking football out of that would be uh, a remedy. And it was partially. But at the same time, it wasn't. Um, so I, I ended up taking a job, which, again, the Lord provided in an amazing way. I worked. I sold orthopedic sales or orthopedic replacements for Zimmer Biomet. I was 20 years old and I was making a lot more money than I, a 20 year old needed to be making. Um, and loving my job, I was 15 years the junior of anybody that I worked with. I was in a spot to like set up myself. I was single, uh, living in my parents' basement because um, Rent-free, baby, and meal feed. My parents were feeding me, and literally my only money was going towards my truck that I was driving. Uh, but then I 
Andrew Matrone got a hold of me at a youth retreat. I got started volunteering at a youth retreat for the Red Rocks youth. And he's like, dude, I just, he pulled me aside. He's like, I just, I see ministry on your life. Um, and little did he know that prior, like my last case that I had done um, before this retreat, I had a mallet thrown at me by a, a surgeon, um, which was, I walked out of there. And at the time, Jess and I were just, texting <laughs> she was in india actually she was in india and so i'm like i'm quitting my job i know this doesn't make me more attractive to you because i'm now no longer i'm an unemployed dude um which <laughs> is something that the lord deconstructed in the next six months which or in the next year and a half which is a funny thing um but i was like i'm quit my job andrew got me at the right time because i i signed up for the internship it's a year long nine months uh of unpaid working at a church, stacking chairs, putting up pipe and drape. Um, all this time, the eating is still... The thing is, is, I had a whole lot of free time, so I was working out a couple hours a day. I was in step competitions with friends and walking 30,000 steps. I was in a place where I could manage justifying food. So I, the eating was not... I was eating, but I was... It was like I was eating because I was working out so much. Right. Uh, then the internship ended. And through that, before the internship ended, I proposed to my wonderful wife uh, on October 22nd of 2019, 2018, 2018. And we... Four months into four dating. Four months into dating. <laughs> yeah, four months into dating. Uh, well, she, she made me chase her for a long time. And so the four months was after a year of... Uh, or eight, nine months of, of chasing. And that's a generous time. Nine months. No. Nine months, yeah. This was not it was literally, a game Yes, it was too. It was, it was March. It was March and... I had, I was... March was the first time. Else. That, that's fine. I still chased you. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> um, and so... We are getting ready to get married that following May. The internship ended in April. Uh, and I sat down in my exit meeting and I was told no. After, well, being told halfway through that. It's a guarantee. Not yes. to worry about it. And so all of my plans blew up in my face. Um, I remember sitting in the parking lot just crying. Actually, I sat in the parking lot and cried, um, and then I drove home to the apartment that we had just signed, assuming that I was going to have an income, uh, and I was living in for the first month, because Jess had a place that she was living, I didn't. Uh, I was going to live in it for a month before we got married, and sat there on the floor and was like, I don't know how we're going to pay for this place. And Jess called me, and I didn't want her to come. <laughs> Because I, I, the, the Lord has done a lot in, in me since this day. But I was like, I don't want to see you to see me crying. I can't see. I don't want you to see me like not knowing what our future is going to look like. You committed to a life to me. Um, and now we're a month away and I don't have a job. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't going to have a job come to find out for another seven months. Um, but that night was so, it was legitimately trajectory setting because Jess was leading worship at a Celebrate Recovery 
and we went to celebrate recovery. And I remember on the way there crying again. I cried a lot. I cry a lot in general. <laughs> uh, being like, babe, I was good at football and God took that from me and, or like removed me from it. I was good at school. I feel like I'm smart and I got a good job with that because of that. And that was taken from me. And I thought I was good at youth and now that was told no. So what am I going to do? Uh, and I don't think she had an answer. I think she said, I, we'll figure it out. I don't know. We walked into, I walked into Celebrate Recovery and there was a speaker that night. I don't know her name. Do you remember? I can't remember. She was Miss America winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, her story, but her story, I remember sitting, it was the weirdest thing, sitting in a, a sermon and tapping your wife to say, hey, babe, I need to meet this this woman. I need you to introduce me to this girl who was our age and it was Miss America. Back and, up. <laughs> and she's sitting there like, excuse me? And because this 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 woman, she had she was big fish in a small pond. I was big fish in a small pond. She went to a nationally known recruit uh, not recruiting ballerina uh, ballet school. Uh, I went to a nationally known SEC football school. Well, they're not good at football. I don't claim that Vanderbilt is good at football. <laughs> they did win the national championship in baseball when I was there, so anchor down. But. Uh, her mom got sick. She developed an eating disorder and she moved home. My yeah, mom got it was, sick. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was. And why was I there? Um, and so yeah. I remember Jess saying that she would introduce me to her in the green room afterwards. Uh, the green room is the space behind the stage for all of you who are not familiar. <laughs> and uh, But before then, I actually met her mom. And her mom was telling me about a foundation that her and her daughter run that raises money for people who can't afford to get help with their mental illness. And I kind of told her my story a little bit. And she's like, we need some people like you to talk about it. She's like, men don't talk about it. Mm. And in that moment, a light bulb, it was such a God thing. A light bulb clicked. And I I literally got in the car and I told Jess, I was like, I'm going to talk about it. For the rest of my life, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> and I don't know what that looks like. I have no clue what that and looks like. And with that, we will wrap up but episode one, part one. This episode ran a little bit long, and so we have an unplanned part two episode that is being released at the same time. And so you can jump over and finish this episode there. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Over a Drink podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Over a Drink Podcast and on Twitter at over underscore a underscore drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoveradrinkpodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then we send it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace.